Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. Prepare to be blessed as pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau leads us into the anointed study of the Word of God, teaching and empowering you how to impact your world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, teaching you how to receive the blessings and provisions of God and how to walk through this life with Freedom Through Faith. And now, here's Pastor Robert Thibodeau. Hallelujah. Hello, everyone, everywhere. This is Pastor Robert Thibodeau. Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. We're so blessed that you could join us today. And we are going to be continuing today in the book of Matthew in our study about the Samika of Jesus, the boyhood of Jesus, and, and how that relates to uh, Him being our Savior, Jesus being the firstborn from the dead, all of the the training that he went through. We are studying about the boyhood, about his upbringing, and we are receiving some revelation on scriptures that you know, you've probably read hundreds of times, but through this study, we're opening our spiritual eyes and seeing them for their true truth. The truth that, that the Holy Spirit has been revealing for 2,000 years, but unless you study the root meaning and the actual background of the culture and things that were going on, it's been hidden. But we are in the state now of revelation. Some people think that we are actually beginning to live the book of Revelation. So why aren't we seeing these things in the true light for which they've been hidden for 2,000 plus years. I'm telling you, when I started studying this, these scriptures just came open to me. And when I backed them up with research, I just had to share it. And that's what we're doing today. Amen. Let's go to the Father with a word of prayer and we'll get started. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come this day before you, before your throne of grace and of mercy, that we can not only have mercy, but find grace that helps in our time of need. Father, have your way with this broadcast. Have your way with this Bible study. Have your way with our life, that in all things we can live for you. Thank you, Jesus, for being our Savior. We ask now that you send the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us through these scriptures, that what will be revealed will be the truth. For thy word is truth, Father. And in Jesus' name, we thank you and praise you. Amen. 
And amen. Glory to God. Join me in our confession of faith, commonly referred to as the Apostles' Creed. We want to lay this solid foundation. I mean, this is a revelatory study. I guarantee, I guarantee this study is going to change how you view certain passages of Scripture. I guarantee it because it did me. It completely changed my outlook on these scriptures and and made the Bible come alive even more. Amen? So let's lay this foundation. Just repeat after me. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. But the third day he rose again from the dead. I believe. Oh, and he now sits on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Amen. From where he shall come soon to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe the church is the body of Christ. I believe in the communion of saints. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. I believe in the resurrection of the body. And I believe in life everlasting. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God. All right. We're going to recap just a little bit to catch everybody up. And in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. You see Jesus going up on what's called, well, I'll just tell you what it says. Let's go read verses 1 and 2. Seeing the multitudes, he went up onto a mountain. And when he was set down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them. And this has become what is commonly referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. Now, why were multitudes of people following Jesus? Why did he have to go up onto the side of the mountain to teach? Because there's so many people he couldn't teach on a level plane, like down in the streets. So he had to go up onto a mountain where his voice would carry and everyone would be able to hear him. Why are so many people following Jesus? Well, Brother Bob, he's the Son of God. Yes, he is. Well, they've seen the miracles and they wanted to see miracles too. Well, that's part of it. But remember, this is where he's just first starting out. Okay? His sermon was repent for the kingdom of heavens at hand. You can see that over in Matthew chapter 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was his sermon. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Why was that such a popular message? Well, that's what we're going to be studying. Okay? But why were multitudes following him? That's a mystery, right? Not when you, when we finish this study, you'll understand why the multitudes were coming out to hear and see Jesus. Okay? And that's what we're going to look at. And I believe, like I said, you are going to receive a revelation like never before. Some of these scriptures are just going to pop open to your spiritual eyes and you're going to understand them like you've never understood them before. I know, because that's what happened to me. We're going to recap real quick the birth of Jesus. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail on it, but let's turn over to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 
to 25. And it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, or was like this. And it talks about how the angel came to Mary, all right, and told her, you know, you're going to have this child. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power from the Most High God will enter into you and conceive a child. And this child is the Savior of the world. And you will call his name Jesus, Yeshua. And Mary said, okay. You know, she was young. They say probably 12, 13, maybe 14 years old at that time. But she understood Scripture. Unlike the birth of John the Baptist, when uh, the angel appeared to Zacharias, Zacharias was questioning him, well, how can this happen? You know, my wife hasn't had, she's, we haven't had a kid yet. Now she's really old. I'm old. How, how's this going to happen? The angel just shut their mouth up, so he quit speaking negative. Mary, every girl brought up in Jewish society to the time they were married knew that a virgin would at one point in time be selected to be the mother of the Messiah. And now this angel's appearing to Mary and says, God has chosen her. And she said, okay. Be it done unto me according to your word. As you have spoken to me, may it be done. I yield myself to God. I am the maidservant of the Most High. And I believe at that moment, without hesitation, that's when Jesus was conceived. Before she could change her mind, before she could go home and talk to people and get talked to, it was done. And then... The angel told her, now go see your cousin, Elizabeth. She is six months pregnant already and has been hiding it. And when Mary walked in, you know, we can read about how, you know, the baby John leaped in his mother's womb and Elizabeth started to prophesy. Then Mary started to prophesy and says she stayed there for three months. And then it goes into the birth of John, which was right about the time Mary left. So I believe Mary was there for the birth of John, seeing the miracle of Zacharias when he said, no, his name is John, seeing his mouth loose, his, his lips loose, his tongue loose, so that he could start speaking again. He started praising God, started sharing about what was going on. And Mary left empowered now with an understanding that this is the day and the hour that the Messiah was going to be born, and she was carrying the Messiah of Jesus, of the Jews, of the Hebrews, in her womb. And she went back and told Joseph. Or Joseph may have found word because Mary left and was going to Nazareth. And come to find out, you know, he gets word that doesn't say how. Either she told him or he heard it that Mary is three months pregnant. Which means she could be stoned to death. Mary knew if she would became pregnant and had not yet, cons uh, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Consummated the marriage. You know, to be betrothed was legally being binding to Joseph. She was his wife. They just had not consummated the marriage. That day was coming. But now she's pregnant before the final festival of the marriage. Joseph respected Mary, loved Mary so much that he was going to decide to put her away privately because if he made it public, she would be stoned to death. And the angel came to Joseph and said, no, 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 Joseph, take Mary as your wife because the, the baby she's carrying is the Messiah of Israel put there by the Most High God. And you'll, she'll give birth, you'll call his name Jesus, Yeshua, and he will be the Savior of his people, taking the throne in David's place. And Joseph, an honorable man, said okay. And the Bible says he did not consummate his marriage to Mary until after the baby was born. And then we can read about how everything worked together for the perfect timing because they had to go back to Nazareth to register for their taxes. And while there, I'm, th I'm sorry, not Nazareth, Bethlehem. They had to go back to Bethlehem to register for their taxes because that's the city of David. Joseph was in the lineage of David. Now Mary was his wife. So they had to go register. And the Bible says while there, there was no room for them in the inn, so they had to give birth to the baby out in a stable. Now, there's some misteaching going on with that, that, you know, the innkeeper was rude and all that. Now, everybody was going to their hometowns, their, their ancestral towns to register. There's a lot of people going all over Israel at this time. Joseph had to take his time because Mary was pregnant, probably riding on a donkey, but it doesn't say, but he had to take his time because that's a grueling road. They finally get there and all the guest rooms are full. All the hotel rooms are full. There's no room. There's no vacancy in the hotel. But having compassion, the innkeeper said, well, we got a stable. You can stay out there in the stable. Okay, at least you'd be out of the elements because this is cold. You know, Jesus was not born in April. They're saying probably somewhere in September. But either way, we know. Let me back that comment up a little bit. Some people say in September, but we know he was born at exactly the moment God wanted him born. There's the festival of booths is in the fall. And they're saying that is when Jesus was born. Somewhere in the fall. But that's not the study today. We want to talk about the boyhood of Jesus. Now, while... In the stable, Mary gave birth. They returned back to Jerusalem, dedicated the baby, and then they went and lived in Nazareth. The two years later, the Bible talks about in uh, 
Where am I here? Well, Matthew chapter 2. The three wise men come from the east. They go straight to the palace. Say, where is he that has been born king of the Jews? Herod was so insecure with his throne and his rulership. He even killed his own children to make sure that they didn't try and kill him to get the throne. And now here's these strangers coming Asking, where's the one who's been born king of the Jews? We've seen his sign in the stars in the east. And he asked the wise men, and they said, well, it says to be born in Bethlehem. That's what the scriptures say. So he told them, Bethlehem, when you find him, come back and tell me so I could come worship him. What he really wanted to do is kill him. And the wise men came. They found Jesus in the house, not in the barn, not in the stable. So this is two years later because we can tell that because that's when Herod makes the decision to kill all the babies in that area two years and under. So we know this is about almost two years after Jesus was born. These wise men provide frankincense, gold, and myrrh to Joseph and Mary and for the baby Jesus. God is providing supernaturally, brought these wise men all the way from the east and gave them what some scholars have calculated the equivalent of about two to three million dollars in today's value. Just gave it to them. God's providing Mary and Joseph all the money they're going to need to raise Jesus properly. Right? That's what this was. This was a gift for them to take care of the Son of God. Now, after that, Herod makes the decision he's going to kill every baby in that area two years and under. The angel tells Joseph, flee to Egypt. Wait there until I call you. That fulfilled the scripture that he was coming out of Egypt. Later, Herod died. Angel reappeared to Joseph in a dream, said, okay, the, the one who wanted to kill you is dead. It's okay to go back into the promised land now. Joseph brings him back in. Doesn't say how long, but he's, we can calculate out about 18 months or so. So now Jesus is between three or four years old. And he's living in Nazareth. And he's being taught the first part of his upbringing. You see, we don't know what the boyhood of Jesus was really like. The Bible talks to us about when he was 12 years old. Doesn't say anything up till that point in time. And after it talks about when, you know, uh, they went to the to Jerusalem for the festival and they got ready to leave. They thought Jesus was playing with some of his friends or something, was with the caravan. They went one day's journey. Didn't see him. They looked all over. So the next day they go back, and the third day they found him in a temple. After that, we don't have any other information till Jesus shows up for the baptism by John in the River Jordan. What happened during those years? That's what we're going to study. All right? What happened? between birth and 12 and 12 and age 30 when he was baptized by John. Since the Bible is silent on this, 
we have to look at the culture of that time and see what most of the Jewish boys were doing those years. Now, every Jewish boy wanted to grow up to be a rabbi. Every one of them. Well, probably not 100%. We'll say 90% of them wanted to grow up and be a rabbi. Okay, Kind of like the Little League baseball teams and football teams that you enroll your youth in. If you ask most of those kids what they want to do when they grow up, they'll say, I want to play baseball, or I want to be a football player, or I want to be a basketball player as a professional athlete. And that's how it was with these Jewish boys in that day. They wanted to be a rabbi. Because rabbis were cool. It'd be so cool to be a rabbi. You got the respect of everyone in town, and you get to teach people about the Word of God, which was back then the Torah and the Prophets. They were able to help the priests out when they needed help. But for the most part, they were the ones who interacted with the people, the common people, on a regular daily basis. So it was just cool to be a rabbi. So the question is, how do you become a rabbi? Amen. Well, the qualifications for being a rabbi were quite stringent back in those days. And it started almost immediately after birth for the boys, with a special emphasis starting just as soon as they could understand speech and begin to speak themselves, mama, dada, water, stuff like that. And it's the fathers of the house who are the ones tasked with teaching their boys about God's laws and his word, especially the book of Leviticus. Why the book of Leviticus, Brother Bob? Well, the first step in becoming a rabbi was by age six, they had to have memorized the entire book of Leviticus and be able to recite it word for word, verbatim, without error. If they could do that, then they were admitted to what we would call elementary school, but the proper name for the school was Bet Safar. Bet Safar. S-A-F-A-R. If they could not recite the entire book of Leviticus completely through without error, then they were cut and sent home and told to learn the family trade because you don't have what it takes to be a rabbi. Now, can you imagine what that felt like at six years old? You get up there and you start, oh, man, I messed that up. And they say, sorry, son, go home. You're cut from the rabbi team. That's pretty harsh, isn't it? But that was the custom and traditions of that day. You either made the team or got cut from the team. There was no second chances. There was no, well, you did good up to that last sentence. You know, I mean, that's not to say that every now and then something like that occurred. But for the most part, if you made a mistake, they would just stop you because it takes a long time to recite the book of Leviticus word for word. So as they're going through, if you messed up, this is stop. You're cut. Goodbye. All right. How many of you have ever been cut from the team before? How many of you have ever played sports, maybe in co-ed or you know, in gym class or out on the playground during your school years, and we're putting together a kickball team or whatever, and let's, let's pick sides, and they get two captains, and each one starts picking. You go, I go, you go, I go. And they get all the way down, and you're the last one. And, well, we already have enough players. Sorry. You know, you're not playing today. We don't think you're good enough anyway. That's why you're last. 
You know how bad that makes you feel. Well, it's the same thing with them back in Jesus' day. You either passed the test or you went home. Amen. If a Jewish boy passed the test, was able to recite completely from memory, without error, the entire book of Leviticus at age six, then they were admitted to the Bet Safar, which actually means school of the book. And like I said, the book is actually the Torah, the first five books of the Bible for us, uh, but it consisted of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Now, from age 6 to age 12, they are attending Bet Safar. They were learning now how to memorize all five books of the Torah. Genesis, uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They were learning how to memorize all five books, word for word, without error. And it took them from age 6 to age 12 to do it. So that's what they spent their time doing during those six years of what we would call elementary school. And when it came time for their graduation test, they were brought in front of the rabbis and they had to recite all five books of the Torah without error. If they failed, then they were cut from the team. They were sent home to learn the family business and they could not continue on with their rabbi training. There were no second chances. There was no retakes on the test. There was no extra credit they could do to, to you know, get up their score up to 100%. They were either able to do it or not. If not, they were cut from the team. Because they only wanted the absolute best and brightest and smartest kids to be rabbis. That's the reason for it. That's the reason it's so harsh. Now, if you were able to do that, then you could graduate from what we would call elementary school. Because now you would be able to try out for the next team. Once you graduated from elementary school, from the Bet Safar, by memorizing the complete book of Leviticus, now, I'm sorry... Back that up. The first five books of the Bible, the Torah. Once you memorize the first five books of the Bible, Torah, the Torah, word for word, you could try out for the next school, which is a combination of like high school and college. This school is called the Bet Talmud, or School of the Talmud. It's the entire books of the Old Testament. Uh, it's basically the rabbi school. Okay? But just because you graduated from the Bet Safar by memorizing the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, did not mean you were automatically in at the Bet Talmud. No. You had to pass another test to be selected to go to the Bet Talmud. Well, what was the test? You had to pass a test concerning the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Oh, wait a minute, Brother Bob. Didn't they just pass that test to graduate elementary school? Yes, they did. They had to have memorized it to graduate from elementary school, from the Bet Safar. To be admitted to the Bet Talmud, they had to not just have passed from 
the Betsafar test. But now they had to be able to carry on a conversation using the scriptures. You have just heard a message of encouragement from anointed pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau with Freedom Through Faith Ministries in Baltimore, Maryland. For more information on the Freedom Through Faith Ministries or to invite Pastor Thibodeau to your church, please visit our website, www.ftfm.org. That's FTFM for Freedom Through Faith Ministries. Again, that's ftfm.org. Until next time, when we gather together around the Word of God, be blessed. And remember, we serve an awesome God. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.